One Week Season. OWS fam, the nation, my dudes and dudettes, Hilo here, bringing you the news, updates, reaction, ADP session. As you know, this session will come out every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern. We're going to cover some news that happened over the past week, some major ADP movers, both fallers and risers, and any other notable kind of news that might be going overlooked a little bit. Um, Digging deep for this one here to try and get a beat on some potential ADP movement. While we go through this, I want everyone to be thinking that we are always kind of viewing ADP as it interacts with range of outcomes. Ranges of outcomes are what we're trying to leverage versus ADP to create these lopsided scenarios where we can find hidden upside. And ADP is an artificial construct that is resultant from the contest itself. Once we kick off week one, ADP goes swiftly out the window, similar to uh, salary in DFS. But it is a construct that we have to be managing at this point in the draft season and looking to take advantage of where we can. So with those in mind, let's check out the four major or the four biggest fallers from this previous week. CJ Shroud moved down 17.8 spots in ADP. Taysom Hill moved down 14.3 spots in ADP. Bryce Young down 14.0. And Dawson Knox down 13.6. Two of those names, something in common. The other two actually have something in common as well. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, rookie quarterbacks with uh, mobility not really on their side. We've had the major mover with Anthony Richardson on the other side of this discussion. Now we're starting to see with the historical tendencies of rookie quarterbacks underwhelming versus their uh, median projection outcomes. We see CJ Stroud and Bryce Young falling down draft boards and the field kind of getting over the initial shock of having rookies in drafts. The other two players... Tight ends on teams with another tight end on the roster that has been receiving some hype. Taysom Hill has fallen 14.3 spots after the Saints signed tight end Foster Moreau to a three-year contract. The same Foster Moreau that only two months ago was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. The same Foster Moreau that basically could not take advantage of time on the field in the absence of Darren Waller when he was injured over the last two seasons. Um, So this one is kind of interesting. What we have here is Taysom Hill falling in ADP because the team signed Foster Moreau to a three-year contract, yet Jawan Johnson, the tight end who is likely to be most affected by the addition of Foster Moreau, is not really moving down draft boards. That one don't make sense to me. The other one here, Dawson Knox, we have the mega hype on rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid there in Buffalo. But if we break down that situation, and I did pretty much the same thing on Twitter, what changes for Dawson Knox, even if Dalton Kincaid is the second coming of Rob Gronkowski? He's not. Nothing, really. 
Dawson Knox is the primary tight end. He is going to be on the field near the red zone. The addition of Dalton Kincaid, whether you believe the coach speak that he's going to be used as a uh, mismatched slot wide receiver, whether you believe the hype that, or I guess the historical tendencies on rookie tight ends that, that they historically fall below expectation. Either of those outcomes still means Dawson Knox's role remains largely unchanged. So I don't understand this ADP faller at all. He's fallen 13.6 spots over the previous seven days um, and is now readily available in the 16th round. So I am gaining some exposure to Dawson Knox here with this mega hype surrounding Dalton Kincaid. How about them risers? Jarek McKinnon continues to rocket up draft boards. He has moved another 24.7 spots. This dude is on Team Dogecoin. He is just riding the wave right now. And he is quickly approaching the no-no zone for Hilo. He is going around some notable names that I am targeting rather heavily over Jarek McKinnon now in these drafts. Beautiful, wonderful 18th round pick. 10th, 11th round, we are really, really pushing it here, bros. And broettes, dudettes, I don't know, man. This one has, uh, it's readily approaching the no-no zone for me. He is now going around players like Samaj P. Ryan, Rashad Penny, Damian Harris, Antonio Gibson, and ahead of Dante Foreman. These are all backs that I expect to significantly outscore Mr. Jarek McKinnon this season. We have... Samaj P. Ryan with the uncertainty surrounding Javante Williams. We have Rashad Penny, who's going to be splitting rushing work with DeAndre Swift, yet is going four rounds after DeAndre Swift. We have uh, in Philadelphia, we have Damian Harris, who two seasons ago scored 15 rushing scores on the ground. And we know that Buffalo wants to kind of not manage Josh Allen, but expose him to beating a little bit less. Um, we know Josh Allen's red zone rushing role has been rather robust. Uh, we have Antonio Gibson, who continues to get talked up by his coaching staff. Uh, we'll talk about him here shortly as well. We have Dante Foreman, who I've given my spiel on him. I expect him to lead the Chicago Bears in carries out of that running back room. So all these guys are guys I would now take over Jarek McKinnon. Yet Jarek McKinnon is right there smack dab uh, with mixed up with all these guys. Rasheed Rice, wide receiver for Kansas City. The field is starting to leverage a little bit of the ambiguity associated with the Kansas City wide receiver room. He has moved 18.6 spots over the previous seven days. That said, I think Rasheed Rice is probably the pass catcher, or I guess the probably the wide receiver in Kansas City that one should take the longest to get going, and two, I expect to, based on Andy Reid's historical tendencies, to be utilized the fewest or the least in out of those names. I expect there's Tony while when healthy, Sky Moore when healthy, Marcus Valdez Scantling when healthy to all play over Rasheed Rice. Irv Smith has moved up 16.1 spots. I think this is simply a case of the field a little bit noticing their boo-boo, their mistake to start the draft season where Irv Smith was just going entirely too low. Um as it stands right now, I'm totally fine continuing to load up on Irv Smith. I prefer Irv in three tight end builds, um, and I think you can do so very effectively, particularly on rosters 
that wait until the 14th-ish round to start taking tight ends off the board. Final one, riser for the previous seven days, Alexander Madison has moved up 14.7 more spots in ADP. And again, this is amidst the growing rumors and the continued emphasis on those rumors of the potential release of Dalvin Cook post-June 1st, which is now just 10 days away. Still keeping our eyes on that. I am still taking Alexander Madison where it makes sense. I am primarily doing so as the first or second running back on my roster, as opposed to the dudes who took Alexander Madison to start draft season. We're getting him as their RB3 or RB4. So I want to alter how I how that roster is constructed versus the field that already has him um, at a steeper discount. Those are the primary risers and fallers over the previous seven days. Kind of a quick little down and dirty spiel around each of those guys. Now we're going to transition a little bit into some other notable news. And dependent on how much national media or how much Twitter verse media these guys continue to get are likely to see either some falling or some rising out of these guys. First one, Jameer Gibbs, uh, all over the place that, oh my God, Detroit's running back room is just forever cursed. DeAndre Swift couldn't stay healthy in Detroit. Jameer Gibbs had picked up an ankle injury in his first practice in uniform. What is going on in the water in Detroit? His ADP, I expect to continue slipping a bit. He was going the late third, early fourth. I picked up a Jameer Gibbs. It was actually my first Jameer Gibbs share through over 200 drafts um, in the Dalmatian this week. I picked him up at 51 overall. That is the fifth round, baby. I am fine taking some shots there. I'd expect we see him settle in the mid to late fourth round. Um, so I will start to gain some exposure to Jameer Gibbs if that is, in fact, the case. Kendra Miller did not participate in rookie camp, did not participate in rookie OTAs. We know that he's coming off um, a significant lower extremity injury. Um, we knew that coming in. So his ADP is starting to slip slightly. I expect if we start seeing more and more coverage of the fact that he's not practicing, I'd expect that to drop even more. This is a guy that I have not gotten exposure to yet because I expected him. I expected this reaction to take place where everyone starts freaking out that he's not practicing. We're like, yeah, we kind of, we kind of knew that guys. Um, so Kendra Miller is a name to keep an eye on. Uh, might be time to start jumping on some ownership there. If you have been taking Kendra Miller, I see no reason um, to follow that wave down or no reason to not follow that wave down Browns running backs. The team has come out and said they do not expect to re or I guess reaffirmed that they do not expect to bring back Kareem hunt. We also got reports out of Cleveland that they expect Jerome Ford to get quote unquote, everything left behind by Chubb. Jerome Ford is a second-year running back. He is the only running back outside of Nick Chubb on the roster to be selected ahead of the sixth round in any NFL draft over the previous five seasons. So I, the way things are shaping up, I do kind of I'm buying into this. I do expect Jerome Ford to to be that kind of change of pace guy. And for 
the Browns to let him kind of grow into the role um, that is now vacated for him. Um, I'm fine taking Jerome Ford as an RB5 or RB6 on rosters, uh, and I will probably be about even the field. I don't know if I want to go too heavy on Jerome Ford because I don't know what the upside would be for his best case, as in should Nick Chubb get injured. Tank Bigsby is another name being tossed around now. The report that came out this week is that Tank Bigsby, quote-unquote, has the inside track for the RB2 role in Jacksonville. That kind of makes a lot of sense because we saw multiple people stumble in that role last season. They went out, they drafted this guy, they sunk appreciable draft capital into him. Uh, so Tank Bigsby could establish himself as the primary change of pace uh, back for the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. Samaje Piran, we mentioned him above. He continues to be hyped by his staff. And this is what I'm paying kind of particular attention to because he was a guy that I, I believe my exposure got up above 34, 35% through my first 50 drafts. And those were all early. I backed off since, since the rumors or the reports, I guess, of Javante Williams um, seemingly being ahead of schedule. We have to realize Javante Williams was not a late season, like a week 14 ACL tear. He was a week four ACL tear. So we're talking he was hurt in early October, eight to 10 month time frame puts him on track for June to August time frame. So he is more likely than some of these other running backs around the league that picked up ACL injuries last season. He is more likely to be ready for the start of the regular season, but there is still the potential for him to start on physically unable to perform list. But Samaj P. Ryan, my problem here is that he is being so hyped by the media and so hyped by his coaching staff that I fear that his ADP is going to climb to even the eighth round, maybe, um, currently sitting in about the 10th round. At that point, the, the range of outcomes becomes a hard sell at that ADP because this is a running back that has not seen more than 95 carries since his rookie season back in 2017. So over the previous five seasons, his high in carries was last season at 95. And he did see 40-some-odd targets to go with those. But that is not that does not scream to me that he does carry that potential to be a three-down back in the NFL. Somewhat undersized back. We know that he can catch passes. Um, but if he starts getting pushed up into the ninth, eighth, ninth rounds, uh, I'll probably be backing off some. But that is easier for me to say because I already have some significant exposure to him. Um, over to your own. Obviously, I'm not here telling you what to do. This is more just getting the information out and giving my take on it, my projections. Uh, so that's my spiel on Samaj P. Run. Antonio Gibson, no matter what comes out of Ron Rivera's mouth or Eric Bieniemy's mouth or Camp Washington Commanders, this dude's ADP is not moving. 
And I love it because I'm gobbling up so much Antonio Gibson. And I will continue to do so because he is the most talented back on this roster. Brian, Jesus Christ, I forgot his name again. Anyway, if you were listening, <laughs> if you were listening last week, I forgot his name again uh, then as well. But yeah, Brian, dude, <laughs> Brian, my bro out in RB1ville in Washington land. Uh, I don't expect him. He is just... He is just not, he does not have the vision and the explosiveness to be anything else in the NFL than a plotter. And plotters in today's game are very hard to get behind unless your team gets tackled at the one yard line 17 times and your name is Jamal Williams and you you score career high touchdowns and then, <laughs> and then you vault into RB2 territory. It's just very, very hard to do in today's NFL where linebackers are so athletic, where defensive linemen are very are so good, when defensive schemes are so good at, at A and B gap coverage. Uh, it's just very, very hard to do for a between-the-tackle plotter. That said, Antonio Gibson is about as polar opposite as can be. And the reports from straight from the horse's mouth out of Washington are, we want to get Antonio Gibson more touches or more touches are in store for Antonio Gibson in 2023. I have been saying that I expect that to happen. Again, this is middle May coach speak, which means about as, well, it doesn't mean it, it, it don't mean a lot. Fool me once. It doesn't mean a lot. But that said, Antonio Gibson has the type of profile. Yes, the, the industry is kind of glomming onto the fact that JD McKissick is no longer in town and Antonio Gibson is the player best suited to act as that change of pace through a uh, third down role type back. Yes, I agree with that 100%, but I think that there might be a little bit more room for Antonio Gibson than even that type role. Then now talk about best case. What is the best case for Antonio Gibson? Well, it's if Brian Chucklehead gets injured and now Antonio Gibson is operating as a three down back, which in an Eric Bietemi offense, um, we've seen them transition to a little bit more being okay with that type of role. So I think there is definite untapped upside. The range of outcomes is definitely tilted more towards upside in the case of Antonio Gibson. And I will keep uh, hounding him in this 10th, 11th, 12th round range uh, until he significantly corrects. Um, I don't know. I, we've seen nothing but positive reports for Antonio Gibson and his ADP has not yet moved in any appreciable manner. So I, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm just going to keep drafting him. <laughs> um, the final one notable news from this past week, Sam Laporta was dubbed the best player in Lions rookie camp. That has affected his ADP. We saw him as a major mover last week um, as a major riser. Uh, I expect his ADP to continue to climb. Yes, this draft class was very, very tight end heavy, and there was a lot of upside and potential in this draft class. But if his, if Laporta's ADP continues to climb, I'm simply going to play the law of averages here on him, I think, and not chase it up. Um, I just expect... I just expect Amon Ross St. Brown and um, Jameer Gibbs to be the primary players over the middle of the field. They have way too much talent. They invested way too much draft capital into those guys 
for them not to just dominate the middle of the field. Um, that said, Jameson Williams remains a severe discount. Let's talk about him real quick. In the in the big board drafts that were that filled prior to the NFL draft and prior to Jameson Williams suspension, his ADP was right at about 48.2. So that's right at the end of the fourth at the beginning of the fifth round. He has now fallen all the way down to ADP of 100. So he's going in the eighth, late eighth round. Uh, and that's a fairly steep discount, a four round discount because he's suspended for the first four or first six games of the NFL season. And I think that is a, a market overreaction uh, to the weekly upside that he brings once he reenters the lineup. I did a breakdown um, over on 33rd team, uh, which not really a shout out to them, but uh, a, a quick go check that out, I guess. Um, supporting my work, uh, I did a quick breakdown of Jamison Williams, um, and I expect him to carry a fairly significant late season hammer type upside profile at a relatively affordable ADP in the eighth, ninth round. So that is going to do it for today. Again, this was the news updates uh, and major ADP movers training session. Um, as you can see, the, the goal here is to stay ahead of the market. The goal here is to give you guys a, an example of the thought process associated with risers, fallers, ADP movers, major news, staying ahead of the news cycle, staying on top of the news cycle, projecting, making your own assertions and drafting uh, with those convictions. As always, you know where to find me. I am Hilo. Find me in Discord in the Best Ball 2023 channel. Find me on Twitter at HiloFF. With that, we will see you in Discord. I will see you in the draft lobbies, and we'll see you at the top of the leaderboards.